Bibles or devices, you can open up to Matthew chapter 13 because we're going to be there in just a little bit. But as you're doing that, I want you to imagine this. There's a first century Hebrew man walking along uh, on a hot afternoon with his staff in his hand. And his shoulders are stooped. His sandals, they're covered with dirt. His tunic is stained with sweat. And he doesn't stop to rest. He has pressing business in the city that he needs to attend to. And so he veers off the road into a field seeking a shortcut. The owner won't mind. I mean, travelers are permitted this courtesy. But the field, it's uneven. And to keep his balance, he thrusts his staff into the dirt. Thunk. The staff strikes something hard. And he stops and he wipes his brow and he pokes again. Thunk. Something's under there. And it's not a rock. And so the weary traveler, he tells himself, I don't have time just to stay here and linger. But his curiosity won't let him, you know, just go. And so he jabs at the ground and something reflects a sliver of sunlight. And so he drops to his knees and he starts digging. And five minutes later, he's uncovered it, this case that's fringed in gold. And by the looks of it, it's been there for decades. His heart is racing and he pries off the rusty lock and he opens the lid. There's gold coins. There's jewelry. There's precious stones of every color. This treasure is more valuable than anything he has ever seen. And so his hands are shaking and the traveler inspects the coins and he sees that they were issued in Rome over 70 years ago. Some wealthy man must have buried this case and then died suddenly with the secret of the treasure's location dying with him. There's no homestead nearby and surely the current landowner has no clue that the treasure is here. And so the traveler, he closes the lid, he buries the chest again, he marks the spot. He turns around and begins heading home, although this time now he's not just plodding. Instead, he's skipping like a little boy, smiling broadly. And he thinks to himself, what a find. This is unbelievable. I've got to have that treasure. But I can't just take it. I mean, that would be stealing. Whoever owns the field owns what's in it. But how in the world can I afford that field? Well, maybe, maybe I'll sell my farm. Yeah, I'll do that, yes. And maybe my crops and all my tools and, and even my prize oxen. And, and yes, yeah, so I think if I sell everything, then that should be enough to buy the field. You see, from that exact moment of this man's discovery, his life changes. The treasure, it captures his imagination. It becomes the stuff of his dreams. You even see that that which was once important, like his journey to the city or even his current valuables, those things now take a back seat to this new find and what must take place to acquire it. Because treasure affects the lives of those who go after it and those who obtain it. And this entire story might have been what people would have thought when they heard Jesus telling a parable that's recorded in the book of Matthew. And it only takes up one little verse. And so in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, is the one that we're looking at today. And Jesus said this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. 
And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. One verse. But Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven being like a treasure in a field. Now, we don't live in the same culture that they did back then. And so sometimes the story may not make a ton of sense to us other than like, hey, I like treasure. There's treasure in the story. That sounds good. But like in Jewish culture, it was okay for people to be in other people's land for food. In fact, if you were to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 35, or you'd look in chapter 24, verses 19 through 21, there were instructions about providing for the poor. If someone was working their harvest and they missed some of the grain, they were supposed to leave it so that someone else who needed it could have some of that food. But if you were a traveler, you also had a responsibility. Like you could meet your immediate need and eat some of the grain, but you weren't supposed to take extra for the road. And so you weren't supposed to be greedy. You weren't supposed to steal from the owner. Only take that which you needed. And so it wouldn't be wrong for a person to be in someone else's field. But in our story, what about this treasure? Like, why was it in a field? Well, for one thing, there weren't the banks that we have today to keep money in, and thieves were common. The countries and cities, they were often at war with one another, and so people would want to keep their treasure safe. And the rich, they would often build guarded storehouses, but those without that kind of money, they often would try to hide or bury their treasure so that no one else would find it. Okay. Well, in our story, this man finds this treasure. Why does he then go and buy the field? Well, first of all, as we said, if someone took anything from someone else's food, uh, land other than the food, then that's stealing. But secondly, it's important to know that under rabbinic law, that if a workman came across any kind of treasure, anything in the field and lifted it out, it would belong to the master or the owner of the field. However, if someone else bought that field, then everything in the field was entitled to the new owner unless specific arrangements were made. And so this man, he reburies the treasure knowing that if I buy this field, that treasure will be mine. So Jesus, in this story, is pointing out the worth of the kingdom of heaven. Like this kingdom is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. And those who know where the treasure lies, they joyfully abandon everything else to be able to secure it because the value of the treasure is worth the sacrifice. The kingdom of heaven, it's like a treasure. Now today and next week, we're looking at a couple points uh, from a book called The Treasure Principle written by Andy, or Randy Alcorn. And in his book, he tackles this topic of giving and we sometimes look at giving through the lens of, well, God wants me to do this, so this is what I'm supposed to do. And the author, he doesn't down the validity of that at all, but he takes it even a step further. He looks at this parable that we just read, and he asks, do you have this same view of heaven that the man in the story did? Has it become your focal point to living? Like, are you ready to give up everything else to attain the kingdom of heaven? Or is heaven just something that sounds good, but it's kind of in the back burner right now? Like, yeah, it'll be something that happens someday. But for right now, I'm living my life, just the things that I see right now, day to day. But someday, someday, that's when I'll think about that. Maybe even as I tell this story or I ask you some of those questions, maybe you're sitting there kind of going, man, I wish I had more of a passion 
for eternal things. Like, I wish my heart just went there naturally. And Randy Alcorn would say, there are things you can do to help you attain that desire. And he offers some ideas about giving that can help someone achieve that goal. But even as I say that, like you might go, well, how exactly does money deal with spiritual things? Like I get here at church, we have the black buckets at the back that people can place offering in. I'm told that I can give online, but I don't necessarily just see the connection here. Well, a few weeks ago, as we were talking about ways to follow Jesus, we talked about following him with our money. And we looked at the fact that so much of what Jesus said when he was on this earth dealt with money because he knew it was a God that a lot of people would follow instead of him. And we talked about this idea that every single one of us has a choice. Will I love money or will I love God? And we talked about even as we love God, what it looks like to be content. We talked about this idea of who really is the owner of everything. And that when I'm here on earth, I am just a steward of everything that God has given to me. And we talked about the fact that God says, hey, I want you to give to me, but even not just out of obligation, but do it cheerfully. And as we talked about that sermon at the very end, we just said, we're coming from this place of not just doing what God wants, but this fact that we experience joy as we trust him in this area of finances, in this area of money. It's not just because I'm supposed to do this. That word joy, that is what the man in the story that Jesus told experienced. He knew it wasn't about just what he had at the exact moment, but that he could have something greater. And sometimes in our culture today, we might go, but did you hear the story? Like, it cost him everything. Like, I'm not sure I want to do that. Or we might even begin to feel sorry for this guy. But let me read you that last sentence from Matthew 13, uh, 44 again. It says, when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy... He went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. Like, yes, it's true that he sold everything to gain this treasure, but he wasn't sad about it. He experienced great joy. He realized the cost-to-benefits ratio. He understood this idea about delayed gratification, and it's true. This man, he paid a high price by giving up everything that he had right now. Oh, but soon it will give him this treasure beyond imagination. His present joy comes from anticipating his future joy. You know, when it comes to money, there are so many options with what we can do with it. And obviously, we need to use it to take care of our needs. And sometimes we can save it for a short-term item that maybe we want, or even a long-term goal, such as college for our kids or retirement. Sometimes we can use it to make memories In fact, I think some of the current commercials right now that Expedia is doing about using money for vacations instead of just stuff is brilliant the way that they're doing that. But our money, we can also give money to other people so that it makes a difference in their lives. And we can give it to God and see how God wants to use it to advance His kingdom. And even though I put giving to God last in that little paragraph, that's definitely not where it belongs on the list. Because as we decide to give to God first, you'll be amazed at how your needs are continually met. And it goes back to trusting in Him, and He's always going to come through. In fact, last month when I talked about giving, I said in this one of the sermons, just this idea of, I wonder what the conversations would be like 
if we just went around saying, this is what God's done because I've faithfully been tithing. Not appointing at me, but this idea of this is what God has done. And after saying that, like I've had conversations in the hallway of just, I want to tell you what God has done in our life time and time again. I received some emails. I even got a letter typed out saying, let me just tell you about God's faithfulness as we continue to do what God wants. And so as we give to him first, we get to experience his faithfulness as he promises that he will provide for us. Treasure. When we realize where our true treasure is, it changes the way that we see everything else. It changes what is most important in our lives and what we do to obtain it. And so part of that change is with the treasures that we even currently have. Someone once said, He who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures. And to him, death is loss. But he who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. He's moving daily towards his treasures. And to him, death is gain. And that's a great way to look at what really is important. If our treasures are not the things that are just right in front of us, then we do get to store them up for later, for eternity. And one of the statements repeated over and over in the Treasure Principle book was this, that you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And the resources that God has given us to manage can be used for eternal things, some of which we talked about a while ago, about giving directly to other people or uh, giving to organizations with the church that help advance the kingdom of God. I remember when I was young, someone described life in a way that really made sense to me. And I don't know if it's just because I like math. I don't know if it's just because the illustration was super simple, but it's something that stuck. And in this illustration, there was a line and then there's a dot. And the line, it represents eternity. That God has always been around, even before time as we understand it began. And that God will always be around because the Bible speaks about eternal life for us. And so we know that life and time will continue forever. Hence the, the line that has arrows at both ends. And then there's the dot. And that dot represents our life on this earth. It has not always been around since the beginning of time. And our life on earth will not last forever. But what we choose to do in our lifetime is important because it does affect life for the rest of eternity. And therefore, I should live not just for the dot, but for the line. My life should be lived with eternity as the focus. And my goals should line up with those of God. And when I picture the dot on this line, it is so small compared to to the line, especially when I think about the arrows at the end that just continue forever. And it's really sad that there are so many people that are just concerned about their life in the dot, that they never see how the choices there affect eternity. And sometimes we can just focus so much on what the world has to offer, but we don't hold it in perspective of what God has to offer to us. And sometimes that's simply because people have never encountered the treasure. They don't really know about it. All they know is what they see in front of them. And that's part of the reason that it is important for us to use our resources to point them towards the treasure as well.
And so next week, we're going to be talking about biblical giving and maybe roadblocks in giving. Where do I even start with all of this? Some of the nuts and bolts on this topic. But today, I did want to let you guys know a little bit about how the church uses the money that you give, because I don't know if you know too much about this. And so if you've ever taken the time to look at the budget that's sent out to be approved kind of in the November, December timeframe, you'd see that there's different areas. And those different areas are led by different fund administrators. And so some of the money that comes in goes to pay for the bills, because we have bills here too, both on this property and over at the powerhouse. We pay for upkeep and insurance on all of our vehicles. And as with all churches, a portion of what's brought in goes to pay the staff. But then much of what we bring in goes directly to ministries, directly to the ministries that we do, the programs, or we buy the resources that we need, or for the advertising, or even for the food for those things. And as different fund administrators meet to talk about the upcoming year when we're putting the budget together, nothing is taken for granted. Nothing's put in without a purpose. You see, we want to be wise with what is given. We know that as you give your money to God, you are trusting us with the use of that. And yet it's not just that. You see, we'll be held responsible to God with what we did with the resources that He entrusted to us. And that's why every dollar is used to fulfill the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. It's not just us throwing a dart at like a wall and hoping that it sticks. It is all used to glorify Him. And many of you may not know, but we don't use all of the resources just for those who are part of South Rock Christian Church or even everyone who may come visit on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or an event. Some of our funds go to events directly like Great Day of Service that's coming up where we get to show God's love to people right in their own homes. And we also have a fund that goes to assist people in need who may be stopped by our office and they ask for help. And I'll tell you, a lot of these people have never come to South Rock Christian Church before. And there's a process that they go through to be able to receive the help because we want to support people. We don't want to enable, but we do want to show them the love of Jesus. And that fund is also there because we want to serve people within our congregation when they need it. That is biblical. Now, I know some of you might be sitting there going, why are you saying this from stage right now? Like, what if someone like hears this and then tries to take advantage of our church and, and things like that? I'll tell you, that is a possibility. It is a risk. But I will tell you that we do have a good process and we keep good records about who we've helped in the past as well. But really, the reason why I say it is because there may be someone in our church right now that is really struggling. Like, they don't know where to turn for help. They're silently suffering, and it feels like everything is crashing down upon them. And I want you to know that we want to help each other because we are a family. In Acts chapter 2 and in Acts chapter 4, right from the beginning of the church, we read about people helping to meet one another's needs because they knew where the real treasure was. And so they served each other, and they gave out of joy. And we still want to be that kind of church today. In fact, we even have some people who give above and beyond their tithes specifically to this fund because their heart is right here wanting to help out people in our community, in our church. And still, on this topic of serving and what we do with our finances, 15% of everything that comes in is used for missions. 
And that might be local entities. It might be ministries within the United States and even international as well. And so if you were to pull up our missions page on the website, or maybe you'd recall some of the mission highlights as part of our weekly announcements, you'd see Bible colleges and camps and children's homes. You'd see parachurch ministries that teach or they help with physical needs, both inside and outside of our borders, all while sharing the love of Jesus through words and through actions, sometimes in the daily living or in moments of crisis, during large events and even one-on-one conversations. In fact, one of the missionaries that we support, Luke and Jenna Fangman from Mustard Seed Network, just this week finally got to land in Japan. It's been two years that COVID has kept them out and the government has kept people from entering, but now they finally landed this week. And so my encouragement would even be to offer up a prayer for them as well as all of the other missionaries that we support as well. Because it is a joy to be able to give as a church to other people. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That really is something that's much bigger than sometimes we just think about. But God uses us as a family to send individuals, to provide training for servants, and to help meet physical needs, which then opens up hearts and minds to the spiritual needs that they have. And all of that is exciting. Which is why when we talk about money here, the importance of giving to God first doesn't have to be awkward at all. Instead, we see the treasure and we want so many other people to be able to find it. And I also know that some areas with this idea of finances uh, can be difficult to understand, or sometimes it can be difficult to control if you feel like you're already kind of at rock bottom, which is why I also want to tell you a couple, about a couple events that are coming up that may be a help to you. And the first is the Financial Estate Planning Seminar that maybe you've seen announced a couple weeks. It's put on by Christ in Youth. And my wife and I, we went through this a few years ago, and it was so helpful for us. And the purpose of the seminar is to help you plan for your future, passing along your resources for when your life on this earth is over, when the dot comes to an end. And it's a no-pressure event. It's free, plus they provide dinner. And so if you don't have uh, this on your calendar and you've never done anything like this before, I'd encourage you on April 3rd at 6 p.m. in the underground, we're going to be doing this, addressing this issue. However, I will tell you this, you do have to sign up so that way we know how much food to have and we know how much childcare to be ready for. And so that has to be done by April 1st. But even talking about this treasure principle, that word or that line, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. It is so helpful for your family if you have a lot of these details worked out ahead of time. And so I know that there's a lot of people in this room who have already gone through it. We've done it multiple times. And so if you have questions, you can come up and ask me, or you can go around and ask people, have you done this before? And see if it's something that could help you. The other thing, though, that I would tell you about is called FPU, or Financial Peace University. And this program helps individuals learn how to get out of debt. It helps you to know, what should I pay off first? Or how do I make and follow a budget? Uh, It tells you how to invest money and and those sorts of things. And one of the things they speak about is when you end up being in charge of your money and debt doesn't control you anymore, then you're able to be more generous. And you're able to give towards those things that are eternal, as we've talked about. And that always brings you joy and freedom. 
And so for us, we're holding this class on Thursday nights in June and July, and registration just opened this weekend. It's on our website. There's a cost, but I can guarantee you that that money that you pay for it is totally worth it. And if you think this would be helpful to you and your family, that I encourage you to go and check that out and see what God does in your life through that. I'll tell you, oftentimes when this class is going on, Nick will come and talk to us and just say, do you guys know how much money was paid off in this amount of time, this much debt? And what it is, it's a confidential thing because at the beginning of class, you anonymously write how much debt you have. And then at the end of class, everyone writes how much that they have paid off. And man, the numbers that we hear are absolutely amazing. And it's all because we're trying to follow things the way that God wants. And the freedom that you experience when you're not controlled by debt is amazing. The reason for both of these events, though, it all comes back to our treasure is eternal. And we want to use our temporary resources the best that we can. There was a missionary to Africa. His name was David Livingstone. And he had a deep passion for the people there to know who God was. And so his efforts, they went a long way even to opening, opening up the continent of Africa to the gospel. But when he died, while he was there, the African people who loved him so much, they carried him hundreds of miles from the interior of the continent to the coast so that he could be brought back to England for burial. However, before they did that, they removed his heart and they buried it there in Africa where his heart so obviously was throughout his life. And I want you to think, if you were to die and your heart was buried where your treasure was, where would that be? Would it be based on earthly treasures or would it be somewhere where you attempted to help the kingdom of God advance? The joy of finding the kingdom is greater than any temporary pleasure that this earth promises. The God of the universe, he came to earth to make a way for us to be together for eternity. He came to take away any sin, any shame that we may be feeling. And he came to remind each of us that you are my child. We were once covered in darkness and he made a way. He showed his love by leaving that which was perfect to come to earth. The question of why? Because he wanted to share the treasure with us. It brings him great joy. Joy. You won't know that joy until you begin your journey with him. And maybe as you're listening this morning, like you want to know more about this God that came to save you. You might want to follow this God that other people are selflessly giving some of their resources to. This God that drastically changes people's lives for the better. Like you want the real treasure. And if that's you during this song, I'd encourage you to head to one of the decision points and talk with one of the guys there. Or, or if you're online and chat with Sam about this. Maybe there's things that are going on and you just want someone to pray alongside of you. And I'd encourage you to go there as well. But as we continue worshiping, let's lift this song to the one who gives us the real treasure. Let's lift this song to the one whose love is greater than anything else we will ever experience. So let's stand and let's sing.